before we start our episode, let's hear a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Marshall's Barbershop, located at 1724 20th Street in Parkersburg, West Virginia. You can also book online 24-7 at www.marshallbarbershop.com. We're starting this episode in three, two, one. one. Welcome back to Love Leadership, episode 14. 14? Yes. Even number. Yeah, 14. And uh, we're going to be talking about mental health over the next two episodes. Anything yeah. about that? And mental health is important, that's for sure, uh, especially this time <laughs> of year yeah, and kidding. this type of year we've had. But before we get started... We are brought to you by Marshall's Barbershop. Located at 1724 20th Street in Parkersburg, West Virginia. You can call them at 304-485-9943. Book online at marshallsbarbershop.com. Marshall, do that. No, man, you asked me that last show. Well, I know it under your head. Today's episode, episode 14, are the five ways on how to be a mental health leader for your team. It's great. You need to make sure you are a leader that is stepping up uh, talking about mental health, or at least thinking about it, for sure. All right, so we're going to start off today. You know, obviously we've been the last. What has it been? The last uh, year, year and a half. Feels it feels like three, but yeah, we'll be starting in March of last year, and it's now May. So we're looking at fourteen months, really, of yeah. COVID nineteen and the negative impacts of all of that. And um, today we want to talk about mental health in the workplace and how really it has changed drastically. Uh, with COVID around. So in this episode today, uh, over the next two episodes, we're going to talk about mental health. But in this episode, we're going to specifically talk about, you know, yourself and dealing with mental health and how, you know, you can recognize that and what you might, what you might be able to do to be an effective leader when it comes to dealing with your own mental health and helping show others about a good, effective mental health, uh, I don't want to say prevention, but, you know, care um, or how to recognize it. And then the next episode on 15 will really hit hard about how to recognize it in your staff. What can you do uh, with your stakeholders? If you run a school, what can you do with your students? You know, strategies to help for this particular situation. So let me give you some stats on mental health and COVID-19 real quick. Before COVID-19, adults, according to uh, the Kaiser Family Foundation, and they're, they're a group that kind of does a lot of research, and they call themselves the KFF. So according to the KFFF, uh, KFF health tracking poll, prior to COVID-19, one in 10 adults had a, some type of depression disorder. Um, 
you know, so that's about 10%. 10%. Right? So since COVID, it's four and 10. That's pretty, you know, it's really a pretty drastic increase. It is. Um, and many of those adults have also found that <clears throat> sleeping has been affected, 36% of them, and eating, 32% of those that have had stress increase. And alcohol and substance abuse is up 12%. Um, chronic conditions, health conditions is up 12%. So just kind of think about that for a second. I mean, just the stuff that we already have with with uh, disorders from mental health and their fallouts of substance abuse and everything else was already bad and now it's gotten worse. Yeah. You know, I think between, you know, I don't, I mean, the isolation aspect that has occurred, with people in general has to be a major attribution to to some of that stuff you think about it like prior to that you know depression always was always um you know job loss might be associated with that or uh you know and which is another thing that a lot of people lower income all that stuff is now on the rise because you're losing your job or maybe you've made a choice to like work from home which hopefully we're on the, on a swing a change here yeah. for the upturn of, of a positive things. Um, and it's also, is not only, you know, so it's, it's impacted adults, but it's also impacted like, I don't want to call them like adolescents, but they're young adults, ages 18 to 24, you know, before COVID-19, about 13% of that age range really thought about suicidal thoughts which is up to 25 percent wow it's about doubled um i'm sorry it was from 11 cent 11 percent to 26 percent i apologize the substance abuse was from 13 percent to 25 wow um also some concerns of mental health with covid had to do with like parents and you know having school closure who's going to watch their kid uh, and it's actually we're seeing an upswing with women having reports of more uh, symptoms of anxiety and depression. 49% to 40 of those that have increased are compared from women to men for more depression uh, since COVID's been here. It affects women more. It also is affecting uh, the Af- African-American community too, the minorities. Uh, and, you know, Non-Hispanic black adults are 48%. Hispanic and Latino adults is 46%. And some other stats like essential workers. I think about that. These are the people that are, that are, you know, defending the front lines of COVID Uh compared to non-essential workers. Essential workers are more likely to report symptoms for anxiety or depressive order. 42% as compared to 30%. Um, increasing substance abuse from 25% from 11, suicidal thoughts 22% from 8. From 8? Yeah. I mean, so these stats that I just that I looked at today are just really interesting because we knew when I looked at them uh, earlier at one point in time, there wasn't a lot of statistics out there because, you know, COVID just wasn't, you know, it just stopped, just started. But they do say that it's just not making things better. We're dealing with it. You know, we're right there in the middle of it, being a leader in your building, 
seeing all this stuff around um you know we maybe have dealt with it personally maybe you deal with it in your home uh, there's just so many things that when it comes to anxiety or depression uh that it's just it's just horrible it, it really is and and i you know i try to be as positive as person as i possibly can be and like i said i think you're right you know here in may of 2021 i hope we're moving in the right direction uh, but there it just what those numbers that you're reading mm-hmm. there that it just uh, affirms a lot of things that maybe we already knew before a yeah. pandemic struck and some of these other stats are like and may makes it might it sounds like it makes sense right like if you make less than forty thousand dollars a year you're going to have a major impact on your anxiety and your stress if you make less money in the in this COVID era mm-hmm. as compared to someone who makes over ninety thousand. It's less it's a less major impact on them. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know if it's because you feel you have that comfort of money. Um but the women, the women that was really interesting as far as so think about this. If you have an adolescent like ages twelve to seventeen you know, more than one in 10, more than one in 10, about 16% of adolescents have some type of depression, anxiety disorder. Now that's on the rise. Plus you tie it in with girls or women, I should say, when they have about a 10% more uh, adverse effect when it comes to, uh, you know, depression and anxiety with COVID into play, it would be tough to be like a, a high school female. Oh, absolutely. And even a middle school female. That's exactly right. Um, and and the, I'll say this last last step stat I have is, you know, we did talk about this for the child child abuse related emergency visits during COVID nineteen. Um, yeah. They actually they actually went down. They down, right? But child abuse like uh the the more severe cases actually not the, even though they dropped the more severe cases went up well that, and that's you know we could probably talk about that but that's probably because you know like i like i said isolation and, and i think you and i would, would agree with this it's about those relationships that you have with people and because people aren't talking because people aren't seeing weren't seeing one another during those times there's your reason for lack of uh those reports mm-hmm. uh specifically um you know and, and i just I believe we're relational people. I believe that's the way we were created. You think about, you know, obviously you can feel it, you know, people suffering more with anxiety and depression during a pandemic, you know, feeling isolated, you know, whether it be job loss, whether it be, you know, whatever it might be, but how has it impacted the mental health of just people overall? Uh, it's, just, it's just amazing to look at some of these statistics. Yeah. Do you think about, and, and I'm just 
thinking out loud now. Do you think some of that has to do with with the media, social media aspect? Well, you think about it in the 1920s when you had a smallpox epidemic, pandemic, Spanish flu, Spanish flu. Mm -hmm. You had those things had a lot of death, things like that. Now, obviously, we don't have the study or the numbers to back that up, but not sure what we're seeing now as far as mental health statistics would be as prevalent just because, just because, uh, you know, especially kids, you, you know, in the high school level, social media is, you know, and they hear about this stuff all the time and they, they want to know about it. Actually, a conversation I was having um, yesterday, yesterday, day before yesterday, actually, I brought that exact same situation up. I said, you know, there's all this anxiety and stress going around now with COVID and the negative impact on people's mindsets. Um, wonder if it had been the same when they had the Spanish flu back in, you know, like 1910, 1915, whenever it was. And the exact point was brought up. It's more sh- socially injected because of social media right now that you really don't know how if they had social media back then would have blown up as much as it is right now would it have been as detrimental because you have this fear of the media and you you like to be informed but you have this fear you seeing all these people dying it's like instead of a countdown for new year's eve it's a count up for how many people have died yeah absolutely and that just makes you anxious and and you and you think and again i hate to be negative or anything like that but it just doesn't, you know, we've heard things seem to be on the decrease one place, but over here in the world, it's on the uptick again, or you got variants and things like that. And you're never, you're never away from it. People can never be away from it. There was a study done by this, uh, advisory firm called Workplace Intelligence who did this, that they went and evaluated 12,000 people to work for this technology company during COVID. And they come out with a statistic already. Now this is 12,000 people who work in 11 different countries. All right, so that's a pretty good mixture. Yeah, 70% of the respondents. So they have more stress and anxious than they ever were before work, ever. I would agree. I mean, <clears throat> it doesn't say why, or just that. There, that was just the question. They just, they just found out that that's how they feel. Um, increased workplace stress, anxiety, and burnout for all people all around the world. I, you know, I would, I would say, uh, check my name on that box. <laughs> I, 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 right? No, no, no. Uh, not because my jaw was harder or anything like that, but because there was a bunch of I don't know uh, specifically, and it was stressful. But so let's talk about you know we have some some points here that we want to talk about, and the first one as far as um, how your mood is impacting others as a leader is really that point, and that's the first point. Um, you know, you may and inadvertently be contributing to your team that you leads stress. I could see that. By your body language, 
Um, it could be by your rhetoric. It could be by, um, you know, I know <laughs> we've talked about this. The amount of contact we have now is more than we ever had as, as workers. Just, yeah. you know, communicating, it kind of stresses me out sometimes. Yeah. Doesn't you? Oh, yeah. You got a meeting this time. You got another meeting, another meeting. That's just stress. I feel like I can't do my job sometimes because you're always meeting. Um, because because it, these, the virtual meeting, oh, that's convenient. We, right. we don't have to take you away from that. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, no, you're fine. I, I just think it's it's interesting to think about, like, you know, you the whole adage of what you do when you think no one else is looking when really everybody's looking at you kind of like you're standing in the in the store in the storefront everybody's looking at you and um you know you don't really think how you're negative maybe you're having a bad day you're stressed out you're anxious you're burnout everybody sees that so they're kind of like eh, as well and that's extremely true like our, our attitude our personality and and you're going to have days like that and you just kind of your life just pours out on everybody else's uh, for sure so and, go ahead do you oh go ahead and and maybe you're about to talk about this so, uh, we're just going to talk about ways that we could help it you know how, how, how do you help your mood impact others in a positive way you know in a, in a positive way? And how do you, you know, some of the things that in order to have good rhetoric and, and in order to, um, you know, have good body language and all that stuff, it's it's important to make sure that we stay positive. How can you do that when you're stressed out? Well, I think, you know, you have other outlets for sure, right? You talk about that all the time, you know, exercise, things like that. Me personally, I like to talk to people, and that I guess that's where I was. I was going a second ago. You know, do you think it's a good thing to have people that you can can be negative with? I guess. Well, I think you can. I think you have to vent. Yeah. Because if you don't vent to them, you're gonna take it on the person that probably doesn't need to hear it. Yeah. You know, I think I've said this. I've dealt with more. Um, I've dealt with more personnel issues this since just this year started than I've ever had in my life and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that people are anxious and I think it has a lot to do with they're stressed out it's yeah. not normal and they're worn out um, and they're just doing things they're out of character of doing or it's bringing something rising the, to the know. forefront uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah that, that was kind of yeah. hidden all along yeah I think that's a very good point I people people are are just get frustrated and anxious real so you know if we want to um you know want to make sure our mood is impacting others in a positive way you know we also want to make sure that we stay tuned in to the emotional needs of our team members you know and how do you go about doing that i mean i'm sure i know there's ways that we talk about doing it but how do you stay in tune with you know, making sure people are okay. I, I think well, when we talk about this, um, you know, building that relationship, you know, I try to walk around my building first thing in the morning, every day. Uh, that's to, 
is that to see kids absolutely that's to see kids but it's also to see teachers and see how things are going and the more i think i can be out in the hall i can kind of tune into teachers that are having or need more time to talk to their peers because they have things going on in their lives you see that a little bit more uh, and also i you know just like you do on your leadership team i think you have those people that meet with with people more on a daily basis mm-hmm. and you can kind of get a feel off of them i think if you have those feelers out there saying hey what's going on with you know what's going on on the east wing how's everybody doing right yeah um so making sure you stay tuned stay in tune to the emotional needs of team members i think one of the ways you do that is you have to show some type of vulnerability um yeah making sure that you're open and honest with yourself on you know if you're stressed out on how you're dealing with it how you're coping with it having honest conversations like you talked about uh discussing statistics like this with everybody so they know they're not alone you know having those types of conversations and i think one thing you really need to do is to make sure we and this is a big point i think is to cl- set clear boundaries around the workload yeah you know you got to tell people listen we're doing more now than we ever have let's just make sure we're not doing too much too much you know yeah being very have a lot of communication and making sure that we're setting those boundaries i think that's a good point uh especially you know with when you had the beginning of covid and you had all the shutdown and um people trying to get back and i think everybody was hey let's let's go let's get back and you know you as a leader are probably pushing to to get things going and to keep everybody positive and driving and and then times maybe we create a little too much right yeah, that's a good point so our first um way that our first way our first number one strategy for uh being a mental health leader for your team was to make sure you pay attention on how your mood is impacting others uh, number two is to be empathetic. Um, and I always think about the last part of that word. Tick. No. Pathetic. Pathetic. Oh. You know, being... I thought he was talking about <laughs> I don't mean it in a, in a bad way. You think of someone's pathetic, you know, but when you're empathetic, you are like into this deep understanding of where someone's having, you know, feelings. Um, understanding what the situation they're in. And so but the word pathetic kind of comes from like someone is, you know, really emotionally distraught in a pathetic way, right? So being empathetic, being a leader is far deeper responsibility than leading than leading the entity alone. Yeah, I think that that's really, and I think we've tried, you try to teach empathy to your students we've tried to do that for years mm-hmm. uh, 
But you know, sometimes we have to give or practice empathy to make people understand it a little bit more, I think. I, I don't disagree with that. You know, I think some people don't think you're empathetic. You know? True. I but think sometimes mean, they want you to be after the, you know, what's at the fan, but. <laughs> yeah, but, and, and that's, that's just it. I mean, I think, and we can be empathetic, I think, but still have to understand there are consequences to action too, right? Right. And, and you know, but trying to understand somebody's well-being or their mental health uh, can take a look a little bit I think that's a, a little more challenging well does this there's this and I'll kind of add on to that here a second so there's a girl by the name of um, Mimi Nicklin and she is a host of the Empathy for Breakfast show and it's also she's the host of a Secrets of the Gap podcast she actually brings up that as leaders we have the unending I like that word unending ability to impact the health and lives of our team and change how our fellow human beings thrive in their daily life. And it has a lot to do with just, you know, being that emotional leader showing how you're supposed to act in these things. Um, she also goes on to say our understanding of mental, mental well-being of those around us is no longer about talking about chains, but truly listening and acting on this Intel empathy is our data set and it's time we started using it to create substantial momentum to lower levels of work induced strength. So she's talking about use the, the empathy, how we feel about things and how we care about others. That's our data. And we use that data to truly listen to what's going on and how we can impact that. How can we reduce the amount of strain you have at work? And I know there's some things that I've done this year. Like, listen, you're already doing this, this, and this. Don't do that right now. I'll do that for you. I might put more strain on me, but I don't want you to do that. You know, I think sometimes we take the workload off of others. That helps out a lot. Oh, absolutely. And it's... I... Boy, you've got me here because, I mean, I know exactly what she's saying about truly listening and I and I would have hoped I would have done that before all this uh, took place and everything <clears throat> but part of me says there's just some things we gotta get done uh, but I do know what you're saying too there are some things that can wait or right. you know we have to be able to being a leader is the big one of the biggest responsibilities to make sure that we're not stressing out our staff and they got to be able to handle it with what we can't have to you know they have to be able to handle the bare minimum but when we add things more to them how do we we have to get them the skill set to order to handle it extra as well which was hard this year which was distance learning yeah distance learning (laughs) or gives me a tick (laughs) All right, so we talked about uh, how your mood is impacting others. Number two is being empathetic. Number three, help teams to develop their emotional literacy. What does that emotional literacy mean? That means that how do you teach others to develop skills to be able to regulate their emotions? 
and the and the thing the thing is that is like if you are a person who's always been stressed out and depressed you're going to have a hard time teaching others to do that because you personally don't know when to turn it on off are you saying that about me no i'm not saying about you i'm just saying in general i think you're right and and also it is does that talk about you know because all <clears throat> Well, I'll just say it. people are more emotional now. Have you noticed? Have you found that people are just more emotional? They they come to work stressed more. They come to more. They come to work. Uh, I don't, you know, there used to be people that were just appeared to be happy more prior to this than uh, than this this year they don't appear to be that way and it's not that they aren't i don't think but i think it has something to do with what you're saying how how they're they can't regulate you know i i can deal with this during this time frame and i can't deal with it during this time frame yeah i think it's spread across their life dr alan Watkins talks about that you know he talks about like the regulating your emotions and he tells us we're not alone I mean, he tells us that there are people that don't know how to really regulate their own emotions, so it's hard for them to teach others. He says that um, one of the best ways to support yourself is to learn more emotion about emotional regulation. Um, most people are wonderful human beings who need help to read and write emotions. You got to learn how to do that. Develop. That's how you develop your develop own emotional emotional literacy. How do you, you know, how you read and write your own emotions? And I think that has a lot to do with just learning, you know, reading. They put, he quotes that reading and writing as learning, right? So that becomes a literacy aspect of your emotions. How do you, how do you basically read and, you know, how do you, how do you make it a skill? Emotions has to become a skill. And it's something that we have to work at. Mm -hmm. And I think it comes with the fact that when you have a bad emotion, how do you cope? What's your coping mechanism? You know, how do you get yourself in a bad mood to a good mood? How do you model that? That's, I mean, I'm not asking you. I'm just saying those are the things that you got to think about. Um, I like to whistle. Like whistle while you work kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, some people, it makes it feel like a meat slicer going off in their brain, but I like to whistle. I, I, mean, I was actually thinking of a meat slicer <laughs> for a second when you talked about whistling. I wouldn't have any idea why, but you know, just you're know, on this like this like a, like you're slicing bologna, you know, thick. Uh, yeah, slices. yeah, just that's yeah, an internal thing there. Um, but all right, so we had all right. Paying attention to your mood, correct? Being, Being empathetic, empathetic and develop your emotional literacy. Number four. Tap into your creativity. Would you think when you're when you think of the word creativity, that word kind of makes me feel like I have to do art. Then that's exactly what I was saying. Crafts, you know. But I mean, I I don't think it really is what they're talking about. I think they're talking about like being innovative. You know, how do you take this and you become something new? Like working from home was a big one. How do you work? Oh, we didn't work from home a whole I lot. I can't do it. But like, how do you work from home? How do you become a student that does their work from home? I know. It's hard. I, I, 
it makes me empathetic for him. <laughs> this is what this Mark, Mark Simmons, uh, he's founder of Genius Use. You'll really feel this. He says, firstly, there has never been a time when, when it has been more important to be innovative. Secondly, as employees struggle to cope with new normal, homeworking, Zoom fatigue, and feeling a sense of great uncertainty, they can alleviate the pressure on their mental well-being by increasing the amount of human interaction they get. Get rid of the digital space. I thought I, I, I hear the word Zoom. I want to go. Oh, I know. But you know, I think <laughs> this. I think this podcast was born out of some of what you're talking about, right there. I think this is our creativity. You know what? I think we. This, love leadership, this podcast was born out of exactly what you're talking. Because we're sharing ideas. Yeah. We're brainstorming. You know, we don't we don't we're script this. Painting our picture. That's right. We're not, you know, getting too artsy. We're just we're being creative. That's this is what we you know and if we it, are. And if we uh, <laughs> and if we affect someone in a positive way, yeah. that's important too. I want Michelle Benninger, if she's listening to this, to acknowledge our creativity. I'll wait till she comes and talks to me about that. Okay. Number five, don't forget about your company's emotional health. Hmm. So worry about yours, right? We're yeah. focusing on how to be a good leader during emotional states. Um, you got to worry about your company's emotional health. And in this, this particular part talks about the importance of modeling mental health by living out a compassionate leadership leadership style. Oh, I'm sorry. Is it compassion? We talked about that before. Isn't it like it's not one of the acronyms of SHIP, but we've definitely talked about compassion being a part of, you know, having a lot of positive energy and enthusiasm and um, building connections and, um, you know, recognizing people's success all those things are really important and that affects people want to know they're doing a good job in this stressful time i think you're right and and i i think you know i think that has been and I, and i'm just being transparent right now with, with people who are talking maybe that's been a hard thing during this too do you think, do you think, and I, I'm just speaking about my, because we've been, us in education, I'm saying we've been so focused on, we got to get this done and we got to get this covered and we got to get here to this point and we're ma- trying to make up ground and we forgot about. Now it goes down the plus. morale, right? Yeah. You know, uh, is morale ever good in I'm just, I'm not saying it's not, but I bet if you polled nine out of 10 educators, they say the morale for their district is down. You're probably right. Why is that? Why does uh, it, why do most educators think the morale is down? Because you think it's lack of pay? Like it's not rewarded for what they, the hard work they do? Maybe. And, and again, I'm going to say it goes back to some media specifics. Um, you know, 
I think the media launches at some of that stuff and they hear hear that a lot I don't think uh, educators specifically get enough recognition for what they do especially it pays one of those things right. we'll talk about oh you just you have summers off we we all know that teachers put in a lot of time out things like that and I, I think know. you know if you had to pick between a zoom meeting and meeting in person you think most educators would meet in person yeah I would I vote for in person meeting I think that's no question that's a no brainer unless you're a person who just likes to sit around behind a desk yeah and I think it again I think most educators are people saying all right people persons that's can't that can't be correct persons people persons people <laughs> i don't know i think you're right man people 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 persons, people are, persons. Pe- they are per- people person that's correct yeah i think you're i think those are very good points because they, and they've made me think about some things that maybe I said I've been focusing on this and that and haven't given enough some other things well I think what people don't realize is that COVID-19 has just done so much damage not only from a physical standpoint but just an emotional standpoint emotional yeah. mental, mental which is why emotional. I want to talk I mean that's why I really wanted to you know emphasize the let me need to talk about this stuff you know it's it affects everyone from young to old to no matter what genre you're in as far as the work conditions go or it's it's tough it's just tough on everybody and, and today that's why we want to talk about why as a leader how to be a good mental health leader uh today again that was you know how, how is your mood impacting others to be aware of that uh to be empathetic of others absolutely uh to develop emotional literacy learning how to uh, you know read and write your own emotions Mm-hmm. tap into your creativity which is my favorite one yeah uh, you know finding new ways to communicate that's a that's a that's a great way to do that when you can't be in a room with someone you know yeah and don't forget about your company's emotional health I think okay. those are all important things that we gotta you know we got to think about and and next week we're going to talk about your stakeholders you know the people that are in directly involved with your organization, whether it be students or other co-workers, you know, how do you manage those type of things? What can you do to make it better? So forth and so on, man. Sounds great. I think, um, like I said, it's helped me a little bit uh, here today. I hope somebody else has heard something. Why are you taller in the video? I'm setting up straight. You think I have poor posture? Dude, you haven't been in this video very much. You told me you wore that dark shirt to be here. Why Keep can't fading in and out. I'm just a fader in and outer. Oh. <laughs> well, we will catch you next time, next week. Have a great week. Watch for the ship. Hey, this is Kenny DeMoss. Just really wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. Again, if you want to email us, email us at loveleadership.us at gmail.com. 
or you can call us at area code 929-464-5750. Our website is love-leadership.org. You can follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook for updated material and content that promotes love leadership. All you have to do is look for the ship. This episode is brought to you by Marshall's Barbershop, located at 1724 20th Street in Parkersburg, West Virginia. You can also book online 24-7 at www.marshallbarbershop.com.